in Japanese culture right now, there's this phenomenon going on that they're calling Ohitorasama. Ohitorasama. And what it translates to is party of one. Ohitorasama, party of one. Now, now, the reason behind this cultural phenomenon, it's complex, but needless to say, it's a growing trend that's undeniable in, in Japanese culture right now. In J- Japan, this, this, this is translated to what's being kind of called super solo culture. Super solo culture. And, and the rise of single or solo households has risen from 25% in 1995 to over 35% in 2015. That's 2015. In fact, one researcher for a large advertising firm in Japan predicts that in 2040, 50% of households, 15 years and up, will be solo. Think about that. 50%. That's the trend right now. That's where it's trending by 2050 or 2040 in Japan, 50% solo households. Last year, birth rate in Japan was the lowest it's ever been since 1899. This trend isn't one that's just contained to Japanese culture, though. Uh, Euromonitor International is an independent London-based market research company, and it released a study last year that estimates a a record 128% growth in single-person households worldwide between 2000 and 2030. That's the trend, 120% increase in this solo culture. Super solo culture, hyper-individualism. Today, I don't want to get bogged down with the why of these trends, but I do think it behooves us to think thoughtfully about the consequences of these trends. It causes us to ask the question, what is a biblical worldview when it comes to the trends we see around us in society and culture? And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Community is the new discipline of faith for the 21st century Western church. Community is the new discipline of faith for the 21st century Western church. In fact, I would take it even further and say, community is the new discipline of the 21st Western society if we have any chance at sustainability. Now, some of you may be holding back you know, your eye rolls at this point right now because you've heard me speak and preach a whole lot about community. And maybe you're sitting here and you're kind of checking out. You're going, okay, here we go, another sermon on community. But remember, we're in this series called The Renaissance of Faith. And we're asking the question, what are the practices, what are the things that are going to position us in the 21st century Western church to have a rebirth, a renaissance of faith in our lives and in our culture, in our province, in our country? And so we have to dig into these practices and these disciplines that position ourselves to know his presence and to align around his mission. 
Now, if you're still taking notes, you can write this down. Repetition is the exclamation mark and highlighter of ideas. So either me repeating this about community over and over, either it leads us to something important or it's just the ravings of an obsessed person. So you can decide. You can decide. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul writes this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there will be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 1 John 1.7, John writes, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Paul writes to the Colossians in 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He writes to the Galatians in 6.2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. James, the brother of Jesus, writes in 5.16, James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Are you seeing a trend? Are you seeing some repetition? What has, what's in common to all of these scriptures? None of them can be fulfilled in a vacuum. None of them can be fulfilled solo. All of them are fulfilled and accomplished and worked out in community and in relationship with one another. So much of faith and maturing in faith happens in the context of community. And it's this reality that is disappearing from our society and culture and even that of the church. Did you know that the new definition of a regular church attender is if you attend once a month? As far as pollers are concerned, that's the new definition of regular. Let me set the tension with a reading of Romans 12.5. This is going to go in the face of everything that our society is shouting from the rooftops right now. And I want to create a tension in your heart today. Are you ready for that? Can we manage a tension today? Romans 12.5, Paul writes this. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And get this, and each member belongs to all the others. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for a second. Each member belongs to all the others. You as a member of the body of Christ, you don't belong to yourself. You don't even just belong solely to Jesus. You belong to one another. You serve one another. 
This, this flies in the face of hyper-individualism and solo culture. It's the exact opposite. Paul, in his writing to the Romans, he's firing a dart across time that pierces the very fabric of the structures of this 21st century Western society. Do you feel that hyper-individualistic muscle twitching a little bit? Let's pray. Lord, we invite you by your spirit to teach us something about community today. Would you teach us something about ourselves today? The way you made us and created us. The way in which you designed us, Lord God. We, we recognize that you are creator of all things. And we recognize as creator, you have given design to your creation. Lord, would you convince us today that fulfillment and life, hope, joy, and peace is found when we position ourselves in the design of our maker. So would you lead us today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you might be thinking, but Lucas, we live in Powell River. We're, we're, we're not like the big city. We're not like that place you came from, that urban center. Things are different here. And you'd be right, but to a point. That there was a time when cultural dynamics were determined by regional values and language, customs and environments. Yes, I agree with you. There was a time, but those days are over. Those days are over. We live in a global society today. There was a time where a new idea, someone would have to travel to your region and, and begin to propagate new ideas. They had to be there on the ground, gathering people and propagating new ideas. Now new ideas are in your pocket. The mainstream of society is in your living room as you fire up the interwebs. Globalization has changed everything, friends. It's changed everything. The truth is, Powell River is just simply on a spectrum of change. Change is inevitable, and not all change is bad. Before you get that in your, not all change is bad. There's some change we need to welcome. But the reality is, if you think Powell River is exempt from things like super solo and super individualism, you're wrong. You're wrong. The influencers of today are influencing the next generation in this town right now. In fact, they're influencing you. They're influencing me. My Netflix account is unique to me. Did you know that? Your Netflix account, everything that's being recommended to you is not being recommended to everybody else. Did you know that it's individualized by artificial intelligence that looks at your trends and then gives you what it thinks you want? Your Netflix account looks different than mine. Your social media feed looks completely different than mine. It's curated. It's, it's AI, artificial intelligence, is curating your search histories and is giving you what it perceives you want. It's a digital echo chamber of your own ideologies and your own biases and your own perspectives. And we think that we're not being manipulated. 
And we think that we're exempt from this idea of hyper-individualism. We're becoming so one-dimensional and shallow and so easily manipulated. Our social feeds have become digital echo chambers curating the voices that line up with our own ideologies and our own prejudices and our own biases. If you want to be a flat earther, you can be a flat earther because you'll find a community of people that'll back up your bias. You want to be whatever. You go online and you can be an individual that buys into anything and there'll be a community for you to back up your bias. And AI will curate it for you and create an echo chamber for you and you will become so one-dimensional. And that's the problem with hyper-individualism is you become one-dimensional. You become miles wide and not deep at all. Not all change is bad, but we need to ask the question, in the pursuit of a renaissance of faith, what must we do today to be in a healthy position for tomorrow? Last week, Pastor Marcus, he preached on the importance of the cumulative effect of being in God's word daily, of, of positioning ourselves in prayer daily. Why? Because the primary avenue for hearing God's voice is through the recorded scriptures. In order to vaccinate ourselves from becoming one-dimensional, hyper-individualized people living in this curated echo chamber, we need to engage in God's word, in prayer, in community with him. But we also need to engage with community with one another. The vibrancy that is humanity is found in community. It's the diversity of community. It's the many gifts of the body coming together that makes a vibrant and thriving three-dimensional existence. Nothing else can be substituted. Nothing else can be substituted. You want to live a three-dimensional life? You want to live a vibrant life? You can't do it as an individual. You just can't. It's a lie. It's broken but you find it in community. You find it in the diversity of community. You find it in the many gifts of community. Community is the new discipline of faith for the 21st century church. Paul, he writes this in Romans 12, 3 to 8, and we're going to camp out there, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with us there. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as many of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others." We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, 
then teach. If it is encourage, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul, he's advocating for this biblical worldview that, that does not celebrate independence, but rather dependence. The value of the kingdom is not independence. The value of the kingdom is dependence. Dependence on God and dependence on one another. An individual is not celebrated, but rather this idea that we are one body, that the fullness of human expression is displayed when people are submitted to Jesus as king and one another as servants. And this is why Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Romans 12, 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Isn't that interesting? What does our society tell us? You are special. You are unique. You can do anything you want to do. What does the word say? Don't think of yourself more highly than you like, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That's not something we teach, is it? Do we, do we teach that to our kids? In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, now my boomer and extra friends in the room, you, you may not be able to relate to this to kind of growing up this way. But many of you who are millennials or Gen Z, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. You're special. You're unique. You're destined for greatness. You can do anything. You can be anything you want to be. And friends, I'm here to tell you that's just not the case. It's just not the case. When we come to a biblical worldview, we begin to understand that we are all gifted in particular ways. It's unwise to just be anything you want to be. Follow your passions. We've told a whole generation, follow your passions. Following your passions is a pipe dream. Find your place in profound purpose then you're living. Then you're living. Find your place in community sold out to profound purpose that is bigger than any one individual. Then you're living. Then you're finding fulfillment. That is sustainable. Here's the good news when it comes to a biblical worldview around community. You don't need to be Renaissance men or women. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about Renaissance men or women? I'm talking about guys like Da Vinci, where he was an artist, and he was a scientist, and he invented things, and he was good at everything. And yes, there are some unicorns among us as human beings that just seem to be good at everything. But that's exception to the rule. There's a whole generation growing up and you are absolutely full of anxiety 
and you are frozen in place because you've bought into this idea that you have to be good at everything and you need to pursue these grand, great dreams and you need to do something that's never been done before. And you're stalled and you're scared and you're broken because no one's given you permission just to be good at what you're at and find a place where you can fit into that, that niche and into that place and just begin to live and contribute in community. You don't have to be good at everything. You don't have to be what, what social media kind of tells us we have to be in order to make an impact in this world. God has given you a particular set of skills. Some of you have seen that movie. Thanks, Chris. And he's given you a measure of faith. He's given you a measure of faith and the ability and the courage to step out in obedience. I believe God is establishing a season for the church where the great accomplishments of those we call heroes of faith will pale in comparison to the accomplishments of the collective. To the body that is submitted to Christ our Lord and to one another in love and united mission, finding each of us our place of contribution to something bigger than ourselves. It's interesting. Scripture tells us that God has given each of us a measure of faith, and and those measures of faith aren't the same. Now, I grew up in a generation, and now as, as a parent, now parents in the room, maybe grandparents in the room, you've probably heard this a whole lot, from your kids or your grandkids, that's not fair. That is my all-time favorite thing to hear from my kids because I have it all lined up to ready to knock it out of the park. Life's not fair. That is a cold, hard reality that you need to just deal with and then get over it. Even in the kingdom, we see that God gives measures of faith that are greater than measures of faith that are lesser, but he gives to each of us a measure of faith. And before we begrudge the amount, we need to be thankful that he's given us the faith to believe Jesus is son, and we've walked in salvation and this eternal life and walked in something bigger than ourselves. Verse 4 to 5, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Paul reminds the church in Rome that diversity is the key to the success of the mission. The potential of the individual is only truly realized in the context of the collective. And this is true across every part of life. 
But in order to walk this out, we need to do two things. One, we need to become self-aware. We need to become self-aware. We need to take a journey of going, okay, God, what have you uniquely gifted me to do and to contribute to the body of Christ and to the mission of the gospel in this world? And then number two, we have to be okay with what we discover. We have to be okay with what we discover. Because the temptation is going to be to compare and contrast yourself to others and go, well, I want this or I want that or I want to be this person or I want to be good at that. We need to be okay with what we discover. And the reality is many of us are more insecure and dissatisfied with our lives than ever before. And so often these devices that we carry, they don't serve as windows into other people's lives as they should. Instead, our insecurities cause them to become mirrors reflecting our deep insecurities as we compare our lives to others. Paul writes and he says, you need to come to terms with what makes you, you. You need to discover it and then you need to thank God that you can take that gift and add it to this beautiful mosaic that is the body of Christ. I do a lot of podcast listening, and most of the content that I listen to is, is, uh, is leadership content, and, and a lot of it is interview-style stuff, and so uh, a number of my podcasts will be uh, leaders that I respect, and they bring on guests, and these guests will, they'll interview them, and they'll talk about different leadership principles, and talk about different kind of things around uh, moving mission forward, and, and walking, and doing great things in this world, and making impact, and and here's the problem. So often I can listen to those interviews and my own insecurities, they end up mirroring the broken parts of my soul, the insecurities, the things that I'm just not good at. And then I'll look at leaders and go, oh, if only I had that skill or if only I was like that, then I could do great things. But what's interesting about that format is you lose the perspective that every great leader has a great team. And as you listen to news reports or you listen to interviews or you read biographies or so often it's so one-dimensional and so focused on the individual, you lose sight of the fact that the great things that they did were not done in a vacuum, they were done in the collective. I'm talking to some of you in this room. I'm talking to some of you, maybe you're listening online right now. That thing that you believe God is calling you to is doomed before you start if you buy the lie that you have to be all things in order to accomplish it. Because if you believe you need to be all things to accomplish that dream or that purpose God is placing on your heart, you'll never start because you'll never arrive to being the type of person that can push it forward. Jesus is the source of that dream. The spirit is a fuel, but community is a vehicle God designed you to engage in order to accomplish it. Community is the new discipline of faith 
for the 21st century Western church. Verse 6, we have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. In accordance with your faith, if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is a lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We need you to be the best you you can be. By definition, the best you is one part your measure of faith, one part your unique talents and your abilities, and like 17 parts a life submitted to Jesus and walking in his ways and his attitudes. Your impact in this world will be negligible on your own, but submitted community, united in mission, your impact compounds to immeasurable potential. We need to be a body that re-engages community. Friends, we need a renaissance of community. I'm going to be real with you this morning. I'm not good at community. Many of you, you've gotten to know me over the last three plus years, and you'll you'll kind of get a glimpse of me, but you don't get all of me. If I have a default, my default is hyper-individualism. My default is look out for numero uno. That's my default. I'll be real with you. I am not good at community. But I'm realizing that if I want to walk in a renaissance of faith personally, and if I want to lead a renaissance of faith corporately, I need to allow the Spirit to do something deep in me and to begin to engage others. And that doesn't mean everybody. That doesn't mean everybody. And some of you are sitting here and you go, ah, oh, that means i got to be deep and vulnerable and intimate with everybody. no. But with somebody, each of us needs a small community, a small gathering. Even Jesus had his three that he brought everywhere. There are three guys. Talk about unfair. There are three guys that got to see Gethsemane. Three guys that got to see the Mount of of Transfiguration. Three guys that got to see and be impacted and experience what all the other guys didn't get to experience. But Jesus drew them near, and then he had his 12, and then he had his friends. You need to be in community. It's a non-negotiable. Otherwise, your existence will be one-dimensional. And your impact in this world will be negligible. Community is the new discipline of faith for the 21st century Western church. And why do I say that? Community is defined this way. A feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. This kind of community, it's been over the years baked into the very fabric of society since, since time began. 
The way of life was, this was lived for thousands of years because you had no other choice. If you wanted to survive in this world, you had to be engaged in community. You just had, it was necessity. It was necessity. But we live in this unprecedented time today where you can survive solo. You can survive solo today. You can pull yourself away from people and you can live a life solo in today's climate and culture in the Western church in the first world. That's what we've created. We live in an unprecedented time. We can choose to work 24-7. We can, we can choose to be individuals in rooms full of people completely alone. In 1946, a store named uh, Tot- Totem changed its name. And at that time, everything was closed on Sunday. Do you remember those days? Uh, Kanye West has a new uh, song called Chick-fil-A. And the, the chorus goes, closed on Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A. Because Chick-fil-A is, is, a, is closed on Sundays. They're a family-owned Christian organization down in the States. And... But this is the cultural norm. The cultural norm is on Sunday, you couldn't go to a restaurant. You couldn't go shopping. Everything was closed. And so you had this built-in dynamic of culture that forced you to be with people. If you wanted to eat, you had to go eat around the table. You had to cook it. You had to prepare it. But in 1946, Totem changed its name. Anybody know what they changed their name to? 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven became a thing. 7-Eleven began to reflect this idea that it's going to be open seven days a week, and it's going to be open till 11 o'clock at night. Unprecedented. And it began to change everything. It began to change everything. And now we live in a society where 24-7 work is a thing. In fact, the, uh, the, the person who, I believe it was the dishwasher, I could be wrong, fact check me on this. I believe it was the dishwasher, who invited the dishwasher, said, the only thing that we're going to have to worry about in the future is what are we going to do with all of this extra time? That was their prognosis of the future. With the things like conveniences like dishwashers and washing machines and all of those kind of machines taking over some of the the things that filled your day and filled your time, they were saying, what in the future are people, the biggest problem is what are they going to do with all of their time? And now we're in the future. And all of us are so busy. We're working more than we've ever worked in history. We're involved in more things than we've ever been involved in history. It's unprecedented what we're doing. And friends, this experiment that we're a part of is going to lead to brokenness. The reality is community is not just built in anymore. 
you have to determine for yourself, for your family, that you're going to engage community. It's the new discipline of the 21st century Western church. It's not a given anymore. Now, I'm not advocating that we, we petition for like a return to the good old days where we, everything was closed. That, that ship has sailed. That's over. That's done with. But I'm asking you to consider what we lost in that shift. For the believer in Jesus today, you have to choose community. There's nothing built into culture that's going to lead you to it. Community is the new discipline of faith for the 21st century. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I want to pray with you today. And then I want to read a benediction. And and this benediction is actually going to come out of the continuance of, of Paul's writing to the Romans here. But before we do that, we're going to take a moment. And I want you to consider what's been said today. I want to give you space to meditate on this word. This idea that you are not your own, that you're bought at a price, but you're not just Jesus's, you're one another's. To consider that hyper-individualism and solo culture isn't the answer. So Lord God, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to just take us in this moment of contemplation and reflection and meditation. God, you would reveal maybe some of our own lives some of the patterns that we've bought into. God, would you give us a courage to determine in our hearts to change that, to take steps to change it? Would you reveal, Lord, the measure of faith that you've given me? Would you reveal, Lord, the gifts that you've given me? And would you give each of us, Lord, the courage to begin to contribute to the collective, what you call the body of Christ? to this mission of seeing the gospel message, this good news that Jesus saves. Shout it from the rooftops of our culture and our society and our region. So speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. In Jesus' name.